It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! Wow, mods earphones are up loud anyway i would like to welcome i'd like to welcome today's special guest mr eric copeland um he's from make music income he's a composer arranger and producer based near orlando florida Eric is currently a taxi member, was a member for a year back in 2007 to 2008, and then he rejoined again in November of 2020. Uh, he posted a review of Taxi on YouTube in August of 2021, which I, I didn't know about, but a couple of weeks ago, a couple of taxi members let me know about it, and even a music library CEO said, dude, did you see that review? I said, why no? I haven't. Uh, and I honestly felt, and today is not going to be like, oh, let's trash Eric or take him to task day. But there were a couple things in there that uh, were incorrect information that I'd like to clarify. I'll sleep better at night. Um, and so there you go. Eric was a gentleman and saying yes to coming on the show. I want to say they did a great job with the content and editing. I am um, like seriously jealous of, of your editing chops. Um, you do a great job, and but you know, look, he's entitled to express his opinion. He's a paying customer, as they say, and YouTube is the platform. Um, so, oh, and I, I made a note to myself, and speaking of incorrect information, I entitled, whoa, my headphone is caught under my butt. Um, I did, <laughs> speaking of incorrect information, I did entitle this episode, um, Should This Taxi Member Renew or Not? And I got that wrong because in Eric's follow-up video, he announced that he actually did renew his taxi membership, so I stand humbly corrected. Um, so I reached out to Eric and invited him to join me for an episode on Taxi TV and then had the brilliant idea that, hey, you're really good on a camera. Why don't you interview me for half of the show? And I'm really wonderful on a camera, so I'm going to interview you as well. And he said, sure, let's do it. So we are going to do that. No holds barred. There's no question you can't ask. Um, and the episode will be archived in its entirety on our respective YouTube channels. Eric will post it on Make Music Income's YouTube channel, and we'll post it right here on the Taxi TV channel. You know, I keep looking at the wrong camera. Let me get that off of there. Um, you guys who are regular watchers of the show know the last couple episodes I've had going on. It's because I updated my computer and put in uh, Max OS uh, Monterey, which doesn't like Logitech cameras. So today I'm coming to you live from my built-in camera on my Mac. So once again, I want to say welcome to Eric. And he actually asked me before the show, he says, is it okay if I make a little statement at the head of the show? Yeah, as long as you don't include any of my family members and what you're going to say, go for it. <laughs> I will keep all family out of it. Um, well, Michael, thank you so much for letting me come on. Uh, I, this was, as I told him when he when he called me, I was actually going to get in touch with him this year. He's on my content calendar. I have a content calendar. Do you know that for my channel? And one of them was see if I can get an interview with Michael Lasko. I thought that would be a lot of fun. So here we go. Um, I, I am a, a I've been a follower of Taxi for at least twenty years, maybe thirty years. Have you been around 30 years? 30 years, exactly. You know what? Friday, I believe, was our 30th anniversary. January 15th was 30 
friggin' years. Woo! I've been an avid reader of electronic musician and keyboard magazine for all those years, and so there's been ads, especially an electronic musician, but have seen the, the taxi ads, and I really thought I was a taxi member earlier than that. I think I, I thought it was around 2000. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but people say that your volume is a little low. Can you goose yourself about 15 or 20 percent, please? All right. How is this? Is I this think better you should be, if I do yeah. this? There you go. Test one, test one, two. Um, if you guys can... I'll talk a little bit more. Um, okay. So I, I, I just wanted to say that I'm a big fan of Taxi and, and have been for a long time, mainly because who else is there that is out there for this kind of thing? I mean, other than finding your own things that which we'll talk about in this interview, um, is that volume better, by the way? Uh, I think it, just another smidge would do it. Uh, people are saying better thanks. Somebody else said five cents more. I'm going to have to get a so, preamp uh, for this mic, I think. <laughs> what is, is it an AT? Audio AT 2035. 2035. I got a 2020 USB, and I got to say, out of all the mics, um, I love it. Anyway, we can talk gear another on another yeah. episode. <laughs> well, anyway, I just want to start. Well, now this you're off a little loud. Little... Back it down just a smidge. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to start this off just by saying that I am a fan, and I I have generally positive things to say about taxi. If you've watched both my videos, I think you, and if you've been in our Discord, which we have a great Discord off of our channel, but um, if you are part of that, you will know that I'm generally a fan of Taxi, and I think it's one of the great tools that composers have, because there aren't that many other than um, places you find on YouTube, or or perhaps, um, you know, but there's a lot of little iffy things, but a lot of people have said things about Taxi through the years that I thought weren't true, and I thought I would give my, my exact thoughts on using Taxi. Now, when I used it, the, when I did my first one, I had got in the middle of a year where I was super busy and I wasn't doing something I should have been doing. And we'll talk about that when you ask me the questions about uh, responding to briefs and, and okay. all that kind of stuff. And so that will come out as we go through this, this whole thing. So um, am I free to start asking my questions? Now? Yeah. So uh, uh, he's my guest. So you should go first. And as I mentioned, no holds barred. He can ask me anything. And there's only one question that I won't answer, but I'll give a good reason. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone in this business, who, whether they're a composer or a producer, whenever they get up in front of me to speak. Hello? Um, Sorry. I will, <laughs> I will usually ask the same question. How do you make income? Uh, we make income from just two sources, and that is from the membership oh. fees. How do you make income, personally? Oh, taxi. That's it. And you're paid a, a oh. salary at? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm the owner and the major stockholder of the company. I've got a partner that owns 3.74%, silent partner. Um, and I used to have a 40-some percent partner um, from Dallas, who was my best friend from college, and I eventually bought him out like probably 12 years ago. Um, but yeah, Taxi's it. I, I, make, I also am the publisher of Robin Frederick's books um, and make a little bit of money on that. I mean, not enough to pay for a year of college tuition. Um, so, but that's it. Yeah. Oh, my other question. Do, do you get royalties at all? Do you have any, are you a songwriter or songwriter partner or anything like that? Do you ever do anything? I have only co-written okay. one song in the 30 years that I've owned Taxi and that was about a year ago. 
Um, and I wrote it with a couple of taxi members. I had the idea for the hook and the concept, called them up and said, you guys, here's, here's lyric idea, here's the concept, what do you think? And uh, the song is called Do It With Your Mask On. Okay. <laughs> and uh, were, did you have any music experience before you became president of Taxi 30-something years ago? What, what did you, had you done before that? Yeah, uh, I worked in, I was very, very fortunate, like the luckiest guy you've ever met. I got a job at Criteria Recording Studios in Miami, Florida when I was, I think, 19 years old, uh, 1975-ish, I think. Um, and the day I started, Eric Clapton was there recording I Shot the Sheriff. Uh, the Bee Gees wow. were there recording the album with Jive talking on it, and Stephen Stills, was doing uh, Love the One You're With, I believe, and the Eagles. There's this little band called the Eagles. They were there recording um, One of These Nights, that album. So that was my first job in the industry, and I have been in the music or recording industry ever since. Cool. This is probably a big question to bring out at first, but what is your biggest frustration as president of Taxi? Um, my biggest frustration is that people don't know enough about us and that we get lumped into a category with other companies that are less than reputable. Let's just say mm -hmm. um, they purport to do the same thing we do, but they don't. And therefore, the sum of the stink rubs off on us because we're in the general category. And it's not until people really check us out that they go, oh, these might, guys might actually be uh, legit. <laughs> and I have one other thing, which is, Everybody should know that all of us here really, really, really genuinely, we don't think about the money, we think about our members, you know, and, and there have been years where the money wasn't good, um, to be honest with you. But I've always felt that if we can make our members happy, that we'll have a sustainable business. And um, it, it frustrates me. Um, that we can't make everybody's dreams come true. But it really bothers me when people say, oh, they're selling dreams. We're not selling dreams. Everybody's got the dream. We're selling the tools to make the dream come true. And people, not enough people realize that. Yeah, I think that's a general music business issue. I had that problem for years as a producer when I was in Nashville of people saying, you work with indies, or you're just selling them on dreams. I'm like, I'm just allowing them to record. Yeah. They came to me asking for help. I'm trying to help them. Um, so uh, let's do a little quick stuff about Taxi. How big is Taxi? How many employees? Uh, on any given day, 10 or 11. Including screeners? No, uh, that's full-time staff members. Um, and, and just for the record, like right now, there are probably six of us sitting under this roof. We've got a 4,500 square foot office space because we used to have a staff of 13 people and as many as 14 screeners uh, doing three shifts, at, two shifts a day for sure, and oftentimes a nighttime shift as well. So we would have somewhere in the mid-20s of people sitting under the roof. Uh, we no longer need three people opening up packages with cassettes and CDs anymore. <laughs> I used so to we, send those. So we downsized uh, the staff. The uh, yep. And, uh, and now because of COVID, of course, we initially went remote. Um, and now the full staff is back, although we've got somebody working in Kentucky um, and another person working remotely here in L.A. And I just rehired somebody who's working remotely from Taos, New Mexico the other day. So at the moment, wow. I think we've got 11 employees and 
seven or eight of us are under the roof. And I know that you asked uh, about screeners. So screeners, it ranges, but they're, they're independent contractors. I think the most we've ever had has been around 50. And I would say in a typical month, this is probably a, the best metric, in a typical month we use somewhere between 15 and 25. If it's okay. a cra crazy busy month, that number might go up five or more people. I didn't ask this, and you don't have to answer this if uh, I didn't put this in our questions. But ask how, me how do you pay? How do you pay screeners monthly by job or by so many different reviews or how do you do that? No, I never wanted to pay them by review because then they would be motivated to go faster and do crappier work to make more money. Um, they get paid by the hour. Okay, cool. And, and, and I'll tell you, they, and they get paid thirty bucks an hour. So you know, and, and they're you. all like real people with very real resumes <laughs> right okay cool um so how many taxi members do you currently have registered that's the one about? question i won't answer but i will tell you that it doesn't exceed ten thousand. um when i started the company i mandated that we would not exceed ten thousand members because i felt that we wouldn't be able to handle the flow at some point we got so good at our workflow that we did let it go to 13,000 members, probably around 2006, seven, eight in that area. And frankly, we were handling it quite well. Um, and I've got a question for your question. People ask me that question all the time. Why do they want to know? Why do they want to know how many members we have? Well, people want to extrapolate the co what you're getting paid by everybody, and then and look at the money coming in. That's a natural right. thing. Of, <laughs> right. of do they do that with? Business. Do they do it with Amazon or when they go into a clothing yes, store? Do. I uh, think they do that with every business. So they really? do with me. They ask me how many clients I have and what each one is paying, and then they they figure up, oh, he's making this much money. So, I think everybody has that question. So we can easily say mid four figures, maybe, or something like that. Mid um i i, I won't say yeah it doesn't, it doesn't and frankly it's a sore subject for me because number one i don't want people calculating my income i will tell you that i make what lawyers and doctors make to be okay. perfectly honest th there you go so everybody because i've had people comment oh well, does this guy expenses. yeah for instance we spend over three hundred thousand dollars a year just on google adwords our rent is a hundred and seventy thousand wow. Yeah, our rent is 170000 a year. Um, our, we have insurance. We have legal and accounting fees that are probably ten to twelve grand a year. Um, salary for the staff is probably around a half a million a year. Salary for the screeners is probably around that number a year. People have no idea how much overhead there is in running a business like right. this. Absolutely. Totally. Okay, so let's move on here. Um, how many or do you know an approximate number of ballpark deals that taxi facilitates a year um i have no that, that? we have no way of knowing quite frankly and i've said this oh, publicly right. for years and years and that's because our members don't tell us but if i may i'm looking because i've got pages and pages of notes there are many members that as you might expect don't really use the service much or or well or make many pitches or pitch good stuff or use any of the tools that we provide and they get no forwards and no deals um and then we've got members like this guy who write and and these are all direct quotes but 
There's the camera. <laughs> These are all direct quotes that are on our website. So if people, you know, want to go verify this. Um, I actually just meant reported, like the one, how many deals right. that you hear about per year? Do you know? I like that people say, hey, I got a deal with this dude. Do you well, have I'm, I'm going to read one that's a reported deal. Um, I'm no longer a member, and I guess one of, I'm one of those people who's got a lot from Taxi and shouted and not shouted about it as loud as I could have. I'd genuinely be nowhere without Taxi, so here goes. I join, I'm going to kind of paraphrase so it doesn't go on for too long, but it is on our website under member deals. Um, I joined in 2010, uh, got my first publishing deal in 2012, ended up with five deals through Taxi Forwards, um, or for meetings at the road rally, started to see placements in 2013. Since then, I've had hundreds of placements on more TV shows than I could list. I'm sitting here in my log cabin where I spend my days surrounded by musical instruments, producing songs and instrumentals for TV show ads and films for a living. My biggest success include MTV's Catfish, where I've had 150 plus placements across six TV series, 71 episodes, and a partial theme tune on Alone on the History Channel, a song and a feature film called Dumplin'. I like that. that Jennifer Aniston was in that. Um, Bell, it's been well worth the effort I put in, even with a bit of blind faith was needed. Thank all at Taxi providing those opportunities. Truly changed my life, and I regularly recommend Taxi to others. So that's one guy. Here's another one. 2,000 cues signed across dozens of libraries, thousands of placements. Um, one of my all-time favorites, get ready for this number, Keith LeBrant, who I just think I saw in the chat room. Keith LeBrant um, has had his music on 1,100 different TV shows, uh, and he's had 568,155,148 needle drops. That means that's how many times somebody has flown his music into shows. Um, over 10 years and his music's been on 201 TV networks. So those are, they're not atypical, but there are a lot of people that don't get deals because they don't work like these guys. I just didn't know if you kept records per year, but let's move on. Um, how many submissions per month would you say, not that you get, but that a serious user would submit like per month, for instance, um, I remember when I interviewed Greg Carosa, who you've had mm -hmm. on here many times, great guy, very nice interview. And he was very nice to be on my second video, by the way. And um, he said he averages about uh, six to 10 pitches per month. Would you say that's high or or about right for what I would you would say consider a serious user? Um, I would say, well, he is a serious user and a serious yeah, guy um, and hardworking and gets everything right. So I would say that's typical for a guy like him. I would say if I had to kind of make a broad general, like that's fine. I, I, yeah. I've checked in the past, honestly, the year we started doing online submissions, our members went from averaging one submission a month to two submissions a month because it was easier. So that would be typical, I would say. And that number for the times I've checked over the years has remained pretty static. So yeah, a couple submissions per month per member is probably the average, but that includes the Greg Carosas really going at it and the other people who are afraid to submit. Gotcha. And I guess there are, it'd be tough to know the stats of forwards per pitch. Do you have any kind of knowledge of that? 
Um, no, <laughs> there, there's, okay. there's no, I can't give you an across the board average, but I can give you a range. If it's an unusual listing, you know, like, I don't know, folky death metal. I'm just obviously making up that, <laughs> you know, but we get some weird listings that. and we laugh and go, nobody's going to submit to this. And we may get, you know, like 12 submissions for this weird obtuse request. Well, of those 12, 10 of those people actually know what they're doing in that genre and they're really serious about it. So it might be that 80% of them get forwarded, but it's from a group of 12. Then again, if we have somebody looking for contemporary singer-songwriters for a major label artist, they're looking for a song for a major label artist, the bar is going to be super high for that. We may get in two, three, four hundred submissions for that and forward three, four, five, 10, you know, it's going to be a relative handful. So that's kind of a range. And in fairness, if you're a member, you can look and see about how many people got forwarded per pitch as far as long as it's public. So uh, that's which that's it is on the for the forwards blog. And also you can get an idea not only by going to the forwards blog, you can see how many people got forwarded for a listing you may have submitted to. And you can also listen to the music that got forwarded and go, oh, yeah. this is what they all have in common that I didn't yeah. really nail. That's a great learning thing for uh, so even one of my my clients who joined Taxi about the same time I did in 2020. They have found that to be very helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, does it cost a company to run a brief for you for 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 them with you? No. And I just got chewed out by a fellow business person who's way smarter than I am the other day. Said I cannot believe you don't charge those people. <laughs> Everybody in the industry knows the value you bring to the industry side. Why are you charging for that value? And the answer is quite simple. I never wanted there to be an obstacle. I wanted every possible request from high value companies coming through our door for our members. And I felt like if I charged to run a listing, people might go... I'd really like to use taxi, but I don't have it in my budget this month, so we don't. Great. Good to know. Thank you. Um, could I run a label uh, as a label, and I do have a kind of a record label that looks for songs for artists, run a, uh, I forgot to ask this, could I run a brief uh, for my label with taxi, um, an independent label? we would have to vet you. Um, we have standards, um, and I'm not saying you might not meet them, but the kind of things that we look at is, okay, anybody can say they've got an independent label. Um, yeah. Have they had any success at all? So we'll go online and we will research them and see, okay, so this label's actually had three artists that have done pretty well in the world of independent labels, and the label's been around for 10 years, so they're obviously professional. Somebody that just started the label three months ago and it, it really doesn't know their arse from their elbow, you can see that and, and we can feel it because we've had so much expertise in vetting these companies. We're not going to run it for them. However, if somebody who was vice president of A&R at Warner Brothers Records started a brand new independent label next week, we don't have to vet much because we know that's an sure. industry pro. I get it. Okay. Well, we can talk about that another time. Um, so now I want to get into what I call the one guy theory. This is a video I haven't made yet on my channel, but I need to make it because I've fought against the one guy my entire career. Everybody who's watching this video has fought against this one guy. And this could be a guy or a girl. I just call it the one guy theory. Or a non-binary. Okay. Well, Gotta have those nowadays. <laughs> not getting into that, Michael. Just, I'm just, just trying to be equitable. <laughs> guy 
okay. The one person theory, okay, if you want to go there. Um, the one guy is the person that's between you and your dream, right? So some people might see that as a music publisher. Uh, they've got songs that they want, and the music publisher says yes, no. Sometimes they walk into a record label on Music Row in Nashville, and there's a actual security guard sitting there. I have one label that I've worked with down there. They don't have a front desk person. They have a security guard so that the people walking in, even if they do ask, can I give you this demo? And they, they do take the demo and they put it in a drawer. But that's the one guy. Or if you've got an appointment with a music publisher, that's the one guy. Um, in your case, the screeners are the one guy for, for people between or what they perceive. That's the first one guy. There's actually a lot of one guys, but the first one guy is the screener. Could the screener get it wrong for a particular pitch? Is it possible? It's 100% possible. It's also 100% not probable. And here's why I feel that I can say that with a great amount of certitude. Been doing this for 30 years. We're very transparent. When a member has a meltdown because they felt that they should have been forwarded, we also we have a system in place. We have a head screener who checks the quality of the work that the screeners do on a daily basis. We have certainly made mistakes. We had one two weeks ago where the screener accidentally clicked the return button when he wrote in the thing, I'm forwarding this. Sorry. Hello? That's Sorry. okay. Anyway, so we have had, I don't know, 20 incidents in 30 years that I can remember, and I'm just roughing out that number, where I felt, uh, I, I commented about one on a t an episode of Taxi TV recently where we do the, would you forward this? I disagreed with the screener. However, I invite people to take their music that wasn't forwarded, where they felt that they were somehow shortchanged by the screener, post the full listing on our taxi forum, post their song, a link to their song on the forum, and post the screener's full commentary on the forum. And 98 or 99% of the time, their fellow members will go, I, I got to say, I think the screener got it right. Um, I've seen you do that. Yeah, and I also want people to know that we have a rule in-house that if a screener um, shows up here at the office, they now screen remotely because of COVID, but back in the day when they would come, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got 14 large cubicles that they would sit in to screen music, and they were instructed, if you show up and you're having a bad day, traffic beat you up on the way here, or you had a fight with your spouse, or you woke up with a migraine, whatever the reason. Some people say you didn't get any last night or you didn't drink enough coffee this morning, whatever reason, just know that you can say, I can't work today and bring my A game and we will save that work for you tomorrow so they don't miss out on the income and they've got no motivation to lie about their mental state prior to screening. Okay, um, I, I wanna move on because uh, my, my focus with this is to prove a point and not about taxi necessarily because also the employees receiving the forward wherever you're forwarding to could also get it wrong so could the person who's the boss he could get it wrong for his client that he's trying to find music for or whatever but that is and always has been the music business people passed on the Beatles repeatedly so mm -hmm. just because someone doesn't think your song is right for them whether it's at the screener stage, at the forward stage, or at the company stage, they could all get it wrong. And and I think people need to realize that, that it's not just the screener that's, and personally, I've never had, and of course, I've, I've 
seriously only been doing taxi for the last two years. I don't count the first time I did taxi as serious, but this last time, this past two years, all my all my screens have been very that made perfect sense to me. Um, okay, now let's get back to what was my major grumble in my first video, and right. I know there's probably not anything we can do about it. And we've talked about this already, and you've probably talked about this repeatedly, and people have asked you about this repeatedly. But what seems like a problem to a lot of people, and did to me at the time, is not hearing back after the forward. And let me uh, let me preface not this hearing by saying, from the industry person we sent it to. You mean correct? Not hearing like it's forwarded yay i got a forward and that's like the first thing with taxi that you're trying to do is is to get a forward sometimes what you're trying to do with taxi is just to get some feedback or whatever and then the next step is that you want to get forwarded because if you get forwarded there's a chance you're telling me there's a chance right and so so my big gripe was that and, and it wasn't a gripe that could be solved and i i, I said this in the video is that i wish there was a way that taxi could somehow send a form or whatever and 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 just be told blanket quickly that no none of these are going to work and then that could be communicated back to taxi and i know that with so many forwards with so many people with so many different kinds of clients you have this is not possible but is there any way to fix it that you could possibly imagine i wish you know i should have added that to my frustrations about being the owner of taxi <laughs> because I feel a band, you know, look, when I was in between working on really big records, I would work with local talent in the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. And I would send stuff off to A&R people that I knew and I knew well because they had A&R records that I mixed or something. So I had a relationship with them and they never got back to me. So right. I, I, I call it the Venetian blind syndrome, which goes back to the 80s and the cocaine in Miami, where people are looking out of their Venetian blinds for either their dealer to show up or the FBI to show up. You're waiting and you're looking at the phone, you're checking your email, you're checking your text, just waiting. They've got my music in my mind's eye. They're going to sit there. They're going to, oh my God, there's the email from Taxi and it's got music attached. I can't wait to hear it. And they listen to it. Oh, I'm going to call up Eric Copeland and tell him, hey, Eric, that song's pretty cool, but the reason it didn't work is, which is going to generate a back and forth email or text or telephone conversation. In the case of production music libraries in particular, they might be listening to 500 to a couple thousand possible entrants to their catalog in a week. Sure. So they don't have the time. They, they, but I will tell you, <laughs> we have a few taxi um, clients that are sweet enough to send me stuff like, by the way, I know I'm terrible at remembering to tell you this, but I need to let you know that we're doing a ton of business with the taxi writers we've signed music with. And if slash when any of the writers ever talk or complain about taxis membership fees, I tell them to please stay the course because it definitely works. It's a win-win business for you, for me, and absolutely for them. Looking forward to seeing you again soon, my brother. The reason I mentioned my brother is I'm that close with this person. Been working with him for 10, 15, 20 years. Does he ever tell me who he signed? Never. Does he ever reach out to the... And he's pretty good about communicating with his writers. Doesn't tell me. Uh, here's another one from a library owner. Hey, Tom, that's our head of A&R, Tom uh, Stillwagon, just letting you know I signed contracts with about 40 composers so far. So thanks for all the great stuff. Looking forward to more great artists and other genres. Thanks again, man. So 
Well, 40, 40 of our members got signed and he didn't bother. This guy did bother to tell us, but did tell us who they were. <laughs> to be honest, it's, it was a little bit more of a problem for me before I talked to Greg Carosa. And after talking with Greg and asking him about his stats, and I don't have them in front of me, I didn't write them down, but I remember him telling me he had had like 200 forwards. And in our interview, he told me he had 200 forwards. I thought, wow, that's very impressive. I said, and then I said, how many, because first we talked about how much he submits. And then he told me how much he submits. And then I asked him, how many forwards have you had total? And he said about 200 at the time. And then I asked him, how many have you heard back from? And he said something like 12 and I, or yeah, something like that. And I was like, wow. And I said, and how many of those, and, and I said, well, then I asked, I said, that's a very low number. And I said, how, he says, yeah, but how, this is how many things I've had placements I've had. Cause I asked him what, yeah. how many placements have you had from those 12? And he says, oh, about some huge number, some great big number. And that's where the math changes. And I said this in my second video is that we don't, we, we only think about the failures. We don't think about the wins and the wins are huge here because you're making a relationship with somebody for a lifetime turn out into great big long years of, of placements. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And so that changed my thinking a little bit and, and was the impetus of my whole second video and why I decided to go ahead and, and, and the other thing that changed my, thinking uh, as far as uh, even if I get a forward and at that point I'd only had one forward I said but even if I get a lot of forwards and really work this um, why is it worth my time when I have exclusive libraries and you're going to talk about this in a minute but when I have three exclusive libraries that I already have deals with that I got myself and I have them to feed maybe I should just concentrate on them and not taxi but what taxi gives me to do that my exclusive libraries don't give me to do is they give me briefs every day and so one thing that I had not done in that first year, and we'll talk again, I'm kind of blowing your, your part of this interview, but the one thing I had not <laughs> done in, that in the first, <laughs> the one thing I had not done in that first year was really write to the brief. I had right. only, only a few. And out of those few, one out of those few had been forwarded. So I said, okay, now if you look at it that way, my rate is pretty good. One out of four or something like that. So, and it's continued to be around that, uh, that, that number so um that's really changed my thinking we'll talk more about that when when you because i know you have some questions about that um i had a question today from our discord um my webs my my youtube channel which you'll put on here and it'll be on here is called make music income but uh we also have a discord that's got a lot of songwriters and composers in it so it's a lot of fun you can find that through through our youtube but on the Discord, somebody asked me, um, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was a, a comment from my taxi videos today. And he said, uh, one of the problems I have is that there's this language that says, important note, this company offers an exclusive mm -hmm. deal and has a strong preference for signing material from songwriters who have worked with libraries and licensing companies in the past and know how standard deals work. If you don't have that experience, you, they politely ask that you don't submit to this request. And he said, well, that puts me out because I don't have any actual deals like that. And I said, well, not necessarily. And then he went on to tell me his experience, knowing about 50-50 deals and how they work and all those kind of things. And I said, I think you are okay. They yeah, just are be. probably talking about people who are brand new, have no idea what they're talking about when they talk about a 50-50 deal or have no idea with any kind of a library before or are just learning. So 
Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I can address that. Um, it's something that just started happening in the last couple of years, and it's happening because we're getting so good, our members are getting so good at making music, and we're getting so good at finding the right stuff and getting it in the hands of the industry. Just because somebody makes a great piece of music doesn't mean they know anything about how the sync industry works. Um, they may come from the old record industry where, you know, you get 15% of gross and blah, blah, blah. They know about that world because they used to make demos and submit them to labels. But now we're talking sync. And they were told in a class they took in music school at <laughs> Berkeley or somewhere, never, never give up your publishing. Yeah, right. Right. And so now they get a contract offered to them from a production music library for a 90-second instrumental piece of music. And, and they want half of the publishers, or they want the publisher share, which is half of the publishing. And they go, oh, my God. And I even ran this by a music attorney friend of mine who lives in Ohio and took one music law course when he went to law school somewhere. And he's never practiced music law, blah, blah. They don't know. So people then will crawl up the butt of the library owner going, what kind of deal is this? You're trying to rip me off. When in truth, it's a they're all pretty standard deals. They're all basically 50-50. Some may pay you a little money up front. Um, others will split the sync fees with you because they didn't give you some money up front, but it's all about 50-50. And a lot of people don't know, and they suck a lot of time from these library owners. Yeah. Um, so library owners like, look, I'm sure you can find me good music from people that know what the norm is. Send us those people. You know, that could be an upcoming video that you do explaining that whole thing and and say, if so if you run into this, don't be afraid to send to it if you understand how these deals work and if you're not afraid to uh, enter into deals like this. And and I think that would maybe, because, you know, I, I know this guy asked that question just today. I'm sure there are other people asking that question. Um, so uh, let's see, what other questions do I have for you? How many uh, hits have you mixed on that board? behind you oh uh, thousands Eric. Thousands. Okay. thousands i actually um so you can tell me this number you can tell me <laughs> yeah it, that's kidding. actually um, a room at uh westlake audio in hollywood where michael jackson uh mixed the thriller album um they didn't do it on that console though. i think it was done on a harrison console back then and it's okay. funny I'll, I'll make this really quick but they've got jbl 4311s mounted in the control room ceiling like above the engineer's chair blowing down the floor and i the owner of the place is a friend of mine i said why <laughs> i've been in a lot of major studios i've never seen it because michael had a bad back he'd come in the control room and, and just lie down on the floor right behind bruce sudin <laughs> and, and he wanted to have the speakers blowing at him so they had speakers in that ceiling and in the vocal booth ceiling wow yeah Weird. but i gotta tell you listening to thriller in that room I bet. wow 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 um I, I just want to say that, uh, you know, I had a lot of questions when I was trying to make my decision about doing taxi again. Now, I just I came to realize at the end of it, especially when one of my clients who had joined at the same time I did said, we really got a lot out of taxi. We had no forwards. They had pitched about 50 to 75 songs, which is not bad for a first timer for a whole year. That's all yeah. they had pitched. But they had gotten a lot of feedback in the critiques and they had been watching a lot of the community posts and they had 
um, watched all the other songs that were going out and they said, you know what, we're not writing New Age. They thought they were writing New Age music and they, they were listening to the New Age post things that were sent. They said, we didn't write New Age. And so they learned that way. But the thing that really got me was number one, the impetus to write and build catalog, even if I'm not forwarded. And that was, again, my first reason to quit was like, listen, I can submit to all my libraries that I have. I don't need to stay with Taxi to get more libraries because I or more things submitted because I already have that. Or I could find other libraries on my own. And I still can, but none of them are sending me briefs. And briefs make me write things I wouldn't normally write. And so that was one reason that I decided to do it. And then the second reason was after talking with Greg and thinking about some of the some of the things he said and the opportunities that existed and the fact that I could still try another experiment. I like to do experiments. Last year my, was my experience with stock libraries and I can answer any questions you have about that. This year, last year was also my experience with doing taxi by not doing it correctly. This year is my experience <laughs> on really writing forwards, writing for briefs, even if they don't get forwarded. Getting forwarded is almost not as important as having the song because Many songs I didn't have forward last year, about at least half a dozen, were signed to other exclusive libraries and, and have made me money in stock. So I don't, I, don't, it, I don't care if it gets forward. If it does, that's great. And if another relationship comes from getting that forward, then that's great. But right. otherwise, it, it doesn't really happen. And I think I've seen other people learn about the music business by doing Taxi or a lot of people talk about the road rally. I've only seen online ones, unfortunately, during my last few years because I, I, I haven't been able to come to L.A. for any of them. But I've heard my friends like Ed Hartman and different people and, uh, and Tamara Bubble and other people talk about how oh how much they love the road rally and that they're still taxi members, mm -hmm. even though Tamara has so much success going on right now. She is just blowing up in every single direction with sync and with her own sync company and with her Spotify and all that stuff. She's still a taxi member. She said for the road rally alone, I stay with it. And for, I have a video with her on my side as well. And mm -hmm. she talks about that and um, in the connections that she says she gets and, and the community. So that kind of swayed me at the very end. And that's kind of what about what the second video was all about. If you see my channel, about how I kind of changed and, and made my mind up. So, so is there a, a question I, that I forgot already? <laughs> Here's the question. Are you ready to interview me now? Because I'm done. Oh, <laughs> okay. You still got three minutes or two minutes and 40 some seconds, but- I um, will concede them to you and try to think of other things at the end or something. You all right, cool. Um, all right, let me pull out my list. All right, a uh, little background on you for starters. How long have you been writing and producing music? I started writing songs when I was 13, mostly for girls. Oh, so that was uh, like, what, four or five years ago, right? Yeah, yeah I just, just turned. Uh, yeah, uh, actually more like 40-something. And um, when I was a kid, I was thoroughly convinced I wrote Heart and Soul. Um, I played on the piano all the time. I taught everybody in my neighborhood how to play it. And I, I was, I thought I did. And then one day in the, in the car, it came on the radio and I said, mom, they're playing, they've got my song. She goes, honey, you did not write heart and soul. And I, I thought for sure that I had written that song, but, um, that I was the day they dropped you off at the orphanage, right? They said goodbye, son. <laughs> um, no, but uh, through my teen years, I just knew that songwriting was my thing. It was the thing that 
came naturally to me. I came from a very musical family. My dad was a songwriter. My mom was a piano teacher and organist. And my dad had a dance band in the 70s, if you're old enough to remember what a dance band was. But anyway, he had a band. And I, I knew that songwriting was for me. And probably by the age of 15 to 18, I knew that uh, probably getting a publishing deal was what I was after. And, uh, and then uh, I think I can go to the next question now, it looks like. So I think that's, that's really when I knew that I was going to be a songwriter. All right. So um, I remember that you, I looked in the database, actually. I don't remember anything anymore because I'm old, but you uh, joined in 2007 from July 2007 to 2008. What was your goal back then? Um, why did you join was, Taxi? Well, if it was 2000, 2000, 2007 to eight, I was already in Nashville. So it must have been to find publishers. I, I, I was convinced that I had joined in early 2000s when I was still looking for publishers. I, 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 it, it's, when I did it, mostly what I was seeing was um, music deals for publishing or music deals for record labels. Okay. You know, they were either, you were either looking for artists for labels or you were looking for music publisher um, songs for music publishers. Film and TV was not a no. A it was actually a pretty thing. big thing back then. Uh, do you well, know? I just didn't... Yeah, you probably weren't looking at it. And I remember I used to take a lot of ribbing from friends of mine at record labels. They they would say, "Oh, Taxi, they're only good for film and TV." I've been listening to that line forever, and now they're all like, "Oh man, maybe I should have paid attention to film and TV because I'm out of a job as an A and R person." Um, I should have, and and I I thought that that it would do me no good to be involved in film and TV since I was not close to LA. And so um, I, being close to Nashville, I knew I could go there and talk to publishers and things like that. But I, I didn't think that going to LA was going to, if, if I'd lived 30 miles or three hours from LA, it might've been a different story, but I didn't even think about it. Yeah. You'd be paying a lot more in taxes too. Um, <laughs> so, and then you rejoined taxi in 2020. Um, and I'm guessing at that point you decided that you were were going to pursue film and TV stuff with a uh, with a vengeance. Yeah, I, I uh, was driving down the road one day when I, after I'd moved to Florida and decided and listened to a podcast where some uh, lady was talking. I think it was a CD Baby bod, uh, podcast, maybe, and they were talking about um, she was talking about licensing to film and television. She started spouting out numbers about what they're paying and and how it's exploding and how television is exploding and how independent film and gaming and all these things are now looking for for this stuff and i was a long time producer by that point i had been producing in nashville for about i don't know 15 years or so and and i had stopped writing i had been producing so much and producing other people's songs that i had stopped writing as much as i like to and i knew i had to get back to it and so uh, I started researching licensing like crazy, like most people who are probably watching this. At some point, you 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 say what the light bulb comes on, or you hear about licensing or whatever, and you go, "Well, that's what I need to be doing instead of sitting here trying to kill myself on stage when I don't really want to be on stage or, or whatever." But I knew as a composer, I had to get back and had to find a way to take this great production that I had in Nashville, and and songs that I've had since I was thirteen and put them in things. And so music licensing kind of became the new quest. I started a company called Positive Spin Songs and a new website. And I started getting all of my artists who I was producing and said, we are going to start steering a bit towards licensing. And here's why. And um, and that really became kind of the, 
the main impetus of my life since then. And I went back to school and grab, got a master's in composition while I was building that company. And so I've, I've kind of been back focused on composition until I graduated from that in last May. And so uh, now it's all about just composing and then teaching. Well, you, just, you just got your three minutes back. There you go. <laughs> Senator. You know, okay. <laughs> we both watched, obviously both watched Senate hearings. I'll see those three minutes. Um, <laughs> so, and I can't remember why I put this note in the questions, but I, I, it's important to note that sometimes it frustrates me when a taxi member, and I'm not talking about you, by the way, publicly points out that a piece of music that wasn't forwarded by, taxi, by a taxi screener for a particular reason, yet they proudly say, but I got it signed to a library on my own, as if to say the taxi screeners got it wrong. They failed to point out that the reason they didn't get the forward was because they weren't in the stylistic ballpark of what was being requested. You know, so if it ain't, you know, indie pop, you can't forward it. They need indie pop. They need a particular kind of indie pop. Um, Anyway, but even more frustrating is that they don't mention that the library that they did later get it signed to was a low bar, low quality, often stock music or royalty free library, um, which the, the majority of those are not known in the music supervisor community as being the first place they would go to find great music. Oh, um, anyway, my observation is... Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, anyway, so yeah, my observation about royalty-free libraries is there are some that are better than others, but the majority of them are more about getting music into YouTube videos, wedding videos, family, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. Uncle Uncle or George turning, yeah, exactly. So um, you seem to have quite a bit of knowledge about the royalty-free library side because you gave that a shot for a while, or, or, you know, so, and stock music, which is basically the same thing. Can you do three minutes on what you've learned from that experience? Because it really does frustrate me when people say, oh, the taxi screener didn't afford it, but I got it signed to a library. Well, yeah, technically it's a library, but it's not a great library. Anyway, what did you it's learn? It's a library of last resort, if you ask me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's-, it's That'd be a it's great name for it. What it really is. I call it my B and C libraries, more like my C and D libraries a little bit. Um, you know, I did, uh, I, I just did a video on my Make Music Income channel where I talked about my 2021 earnings, which wasn't much, it was like five grand or so. And which, which now that's 400 a month-ish, mm -hmm. um, that's paid the next month. So there's no waiting for an, an upfront, there's no waiting for a PRO payment, that's instant money. So in some ways you can say that, yeah, they are low level. Uh, I, I wouldn't say they're low level because I don't think of my quality that's on an exclusive library is so miles away from quality that I put on and personally that I put on uh, royalty free libraries. But after a year with them, I will tell you this, there's one that paid me most of that money every month. And I'll tell you what it is. It's called motion array. And uh, I said it on my thing and they are under, they are bought by Artlist, which is another pretty decently respected, what I call mid tier libraries. Now I think, possibly music supervisors might go to an art list type of a place. You know, some of those middle ground, non-exclusive artist-based libraries, you know what I'm talking about, that are 
not maybe exclusive libraries, but you have a lot of non-exclusive deals on your on your site. And some of these are those kind of things where they deal with artists and they are looking for non-exclusive uh, deals. But um, yeah, I definitely consider them lower quality of library, certainly. Um, but I think there is stuff to find on there that is higher quality because I know some of the people who are putting stuff up there and it's high quality. Right. But I'll the tell problem you what is I do. I what? take the high quality stuff and I still pitch that out because it's not exclusive while it's in those royalty free libraries. Right. And I've since had stuff that was in my royalty free libraries pitched and put in exclusive deals. And I've had several of the things that were not forwarded and one that was forwarded by taxi also in exclusive deals, non exclusive though, it's like I said, it's it's the last resort for me and and only because I want it to make me something. So it might as well make me a few pennies or dollars a month that I get every month. And so uh, I think it's a valuable resource for composers to have that secondary source. It's like a part time job. As long as you're careful with your hours and how much time you spent on that part time job, it's not not stock but, can be like a part time job, but it's nothing like that you can get exclusive library that's, that's the, the problem is time and we'll talk about that later but yeah not everybody you know you have to pick and choose your battles and your expenditure of time and for um, a hobbyist and for a hobbyist and, and an amateur they can be a good place to start um yeah but they're not learning much about the industry there they're only putting their music well, into a catalog with several hundred thousand songs in they the are learning they are learning how to produce and how to write better and that's sometimes a step that everybody needs. And they, they can't always get that from Taxi. They might need a step before Taxi. So why can't they always get it from Taxi? Well, because these are no cost uh, entryways, these royalty free libraries. I see you're saying so if somebody doesn't have the, you know, <laughs> the, the coffee money it costs, because really Taxi not ready. Work, works out to about a dollar a day. But anyway, let's spend. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you seem to be a numbers or stats-driven guy um, because of the questions you asked earlier. Um, so how many times did you submit um, in 12? Actually, here, hold on. I've got like 40 pieces of paper here. All right, mm -hmm. so I, I looked at your database stuff, your taxi database stuff, and in, in the mm -hmm. year 2021, I know you were a member from like November of 2020 through November of 2021. I just searched 2021. And interestingly enough, I found that you made 15 submissions in 2021. So, you know, not high, not low, kind of average-ish. Uh, um, yeah, but it wasn't like some people will join Taxi and only submit one song three times and then get pissed off and go away because the song that they wrote and recorded in 1997 isn't getting forwarded for a listing or any listings asking for contemporary music. So you were certainly better than that. Interestingly enough, um, you had 12 different screeners listen to your stuff. One thing did get forwarded during that time, which was a cover of O Come All, All Ye Faithful. Um, and the other stuff didn't get forwarded. So like, I would take a hard look at Taxi if I were in, in your shoes as well. So, but you've already answered this question, but I'm going to bring it up again. And you know better now because of Greg Carosa, you weren't submitting music that you created to answer the request, you were trying to put some square pegs into some round holes, a listing that asked for XYZ, and you go, well, I've got something. Yeah, somebody could see that as XYZ. And, and I listened to your, some, some of your music and go, 
guy's not an idiot, certainly knows how to make a piece of music, but it was more than likely you just weren't nailing. I bet the majority of the critiques probably said you didn't hit the nail on the head stylistically. Yeah, and uh, I did the math too, and I, it's actually, I thought it was more than this, more like 20-something, but it was only two, 17, uh, I think, so far, out of both years so far. So like from November of 20 to now, to January of 2022, I've done like 17 pitches, but of those 17 pitches, only seven were written for briefs. And I've had, I had a forward in two 2020, so I've had two forwards out of out of seven. So two out of seven is a way different deal. That's one out of every 3.5 uh, briefs. That's a different deal than yeah. uh, even, but still there's the, the excuse here and I mean, or the, the problem here is that I didn't write enough. 17 to me is too low for someone who's written 800 songs or more or way more than that. But I, I, I should be submitting more than that if I'm going to seriously take this. So, so far with this year's membership, I've submitted like six or, or seven or so. And, and I haven't done this month yet. I just did December's, but, um, I, I am really, uh, going to be focused more on that because I've told everybody already, I'm doing a video next November about what happened if I followed all the briefs and, and I'll give you my numbers then, and then we can make another decision at that point and be fair, you know, about, right. This. Um, all right, so I want to move on to discuss some of the things in your first video that I found to be just plain incorrect and some that were troubling uh, in the way that you stated them. And I didn't feel that you were doing it out of malice. I'm not here to crucify you or draw and quarter you, but it is troubling to me that 900 people saw a video with some incorrect facts or incorrectly stated facts in there, or things that were presented fa as factual that actually weren't. So I want to clear them up here again, not trying to eviscerate you. Um, in the intro, you say that you're going to look at, and I'm quoting here, the good, the bad, and a real problem, uh, which I saw that and I went, okay, I know it. it's clickbaity, you know, it's, uh, it's I, FYI, it was my third video. So I was still trying to figure out my voice, but anyway, yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what the bad stuff was, but the real problem we already talked about and you called it your major grumble and that's that there's no guarantee that you'll get a response um if whoever we forward it to decides not to use your music and then you said and i'm quoting here you have no idea if your song is going to be used or not and that could very well lead the 900 people who heard that with the impression that taxi will be sending their music off to people in the business and if they do decide to use it they're going to put it in a movie or a tv show or whatever and they're not going to tell them it's just the way you stated it what you were trying to say i think is it's frustrating when your music is forwarded and nobody from the company it was forwarded to reaches out and says sorry eric Good song, but we're going to take a pass on this one because they know, first of all, they'd have to do a thousand of those a week. Second of all, 500 of those people be, well, what didn't you like about it? I've got other stuff. Do you want to hear it? How can I make it better? Can I make it better and send it back to you? They just don't have the time. So, I, um, well, my response uh, to that would be, is that the question? Um the question is, do you feel terrible about that now that you misstated I, that? I, 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 just, I beg your forgiveness. Um, absolutely. I think we all have three song de demos that we sent to publishers for 30 years 
where even they ask for material. They said, yeah, dude, I love your sound. Send me three songs. You send three songs and you never hear back from them. You call and you can't get through and you, you just don't, you don't. If they love back. it though, they, the rule of thumb has always been in the industry. If they can make a dime on it, you're going to hear from them. So uh, I guess the problem is that on the front page, it says we will get your music to the people who need it. And you do that there. It's not that right. you, I have no doubt that you do that. The problem is most people don't understand that when people in the music business get a song, including me, we don't always want to respond. I have people sending me songs every day as a music company that say, I want you to produce me, or is this good enough to publish or blah, 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 whatever things is this good enough for licensing. And I don't want to respond to, to a lot of those because I don't want to hurt their feelings because it's not even close or I just don't have the time. And I'm not even that as busy as well, I'm pretty busy, but I'm just saying that, you know, the people that are dealing with, like you said, they've got a they've got one thing to do. It's got to be filled by four o'clock today and they've got hundreds of submissions to, to wade through to find a possibility for that. Right. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, as a new member, getting that forward, I was like, okay, I, I got a forward pretty soon after I joined. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, I got forwarded. So now what happens? And I waited and I waited for I, I, a month or so. I said, I'll give it a month. And then after a month, I was like, should I pitch this elsewhere or should I not? And it wasn't until I think I, it was a video. It wasn't you and I talking. It was an actual video that you said, hey, as soon as you get something forwarded, feel free to go ahead and pitch it to other things. Don't right. wait. Don't wait to pitch. And I, to Absolutely. me, I was thinking, because that's not advice I hear on other channels where they will say, "Don't you don't want to piss anybody off by offering them a song and then yanking it back because you sold it to somebody else. Trust me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read what I wrote here because it, Pretty well worded, if I say so myself. For the record, you should pitch your music at every opportunity you can, irregardless if it's been forwarded to somebody already. The worst thing that could happen is actually the best thing. Your track gets forwarded to company A, and you keep pitching it. It also gets forwarded then to company B, and then company B calls you a week later and says, hey, we want to sign this track, and you go, Oh, hell yeah, and you do the deal with Company B. Now, Company A, who was a little sleepy behind the wheel, calls you up a week after that and says, Hey, Eric, love that song you sent. I want to sign it. And you go, Ah, oh, shucks. I'm so sorry, but somebody else scooped it up last week. And first of all, they're learning a lesson. Like, if you hear something, jump on it. Um, uh, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Early bird gets so the worm. Hold you on, let me, ever... let me finish this thought. Um, you're in the, but you, as the writer, you're in the awesome position of saying, I'm sorry, somebody else already scooped it up, which makes them want you even more. And it opens the door for you to say, however, I could do like two or three or four more songs or tracks in that same style. Um, would you be interested? And they'll go, oh, hell yeah, because they already called you on that one. So now you've got Library B that was second to hear it, signed it first, and Library A, who was asleep at the wheel, now has the possibility of taking two or three or four more things, which we hear this scenario happening a lot with our members. So you've turned lemons into lemonade, and that brings me to, dun da 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 write, submit, forget, repeat, a phrase that was coined by our members probably 25 years ago. Obviously, it's a takeoff on wash, rinse, and repeat. And they quickly learn that just write, submit, forget, and repeat. Just keep doing it over and over and over again. Don't watch the phone. Don't develop Venetian blind syndrome. Just write, submit, forget, repeat. They made the bumper stickers, not me, but I keep it because I love it. 
I thought you were going to do a product placement. And no. that leads me to today's <laughs> soap product. Um, yeah, you know, I've heard different theories about this. So you've never had a client come back and say, I had the perfect song and the guy said he already signed it with somebody else because I didn't respond quickly. I've been in the industry for 49 years. I've never heard that phrase uttered okay. out of anybody's mouth, not once. That's good to know because that's, again, I call all this intel. Like when I get information from you or information from a, from a person on YouTube saying, oh, I had that happen and here's what happened to me. I had I signed a lot of songs to that library. I call that intel. That's good intel to know. And, yeah. and people have to think about that. Don't wait with your forwards. If you forward something, if something gets forward, great. Keep pitching it. I, I would pitch the crap out of that because it got okay. forwarded. You know, now it may not be right for the other listings because some people say, well, it's indie pop. This listing asked for indie pop. Well, yes, it did. But the other one it got forwarded for was moody indie pop about I miss home. Whereas this indie pop listing asked for emotionally up-tempo, light-hearted indie pop. But they're both indie pop, but they're not the same. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, nobody's going to say no to that. Literally, in my 49 years experience, I've never heard any, anybody say, I can't believe that they let somebody else have it. In, in Nashville, if somebody puts your song on a hold and you did that, that would be bad etiquette, but not in this world. Um, the second thing I had an issue with was you incorrectly stated, and I'm quoting here once again, that Taxi offers weekly and sometimes daily listings. So I've got to correct that just for the record. Uh, Taxi actually publishes three listings per day, every day of the year, except for Christmas and Easter Sunday. Our members get at least 1,089 opportunities from record labels, publishers, major label artists looking for songs, music supervisors working on film, TV, advertising, um, production music libraries, uh, I just love Taxi, so we get a lot of listings from them and ad agencies. So I just want to set the record straight on that. And now here's one where you actually pissed me off a little bit. Um, you called our feedback paltry. Okay, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. You yeah. got to let me respond to the last one. Um, um, that was just a. Uh, um you know, saying weekly and daily, I, I was just, uh, it was, was a typo. A you just did it with your point. Yeah. yeah. I was just talking off the top of my head. I know that I get daily listings because I get so many. Sometimes I have to put them in a separate folder so they don't like one of the actual criticisms I had in that video was that sometimes it's almost a distraction because I'll be working and I'm working on a track trying to get it done. And this email comes up from taxi. Ooh, what are they looking for? And then I go off into the taxi land and I get involved in that thing. And then I start thinking about that before I know it, 15, 20, 30 minutes has gone by. And I've been like, oh, I was in the taxi hole. I need to get back out and get back to work. But that's a good problem to have. And that's, that's your problem for not looking at email correctly you should look at it at the beginning of the day and the end of the day and not while you're working but that's a whole nother broadcast but um yeah i i can feel like that can be a distraction it's so much but it is a lot and yeah i've received three today i believe so i've received more than three today but um yeah absolutely okay next one paltry okay yeah paltry it was a poor choice of words um Probably. when when i looked it up i went what the hell is he talking about? Now, I mean, obviously, um, I'm sure you're aware that you can ask for a custom critique where the screeners will often spend like an hour on one song and they're not screening it for a particular listing. Um, and, and that does cost more than the $5 submission fee. That's like 20 bucks, which is still, um, we lose money on those, but we, we actually track how much we make or lose. We lose a little money on those most years, but 
the members get so much benefit and they love it that we still do it. So, um, and you also stated that the $5 submission fee is actually for the critique, but I want to set the record straight on that. It's not a, a critique fee. It's a discouragement fee because if we didn't charge a measly five bucks, oh. people would send every friggin' song they've got for every single listing. They'd be sending Christmas carols for heavy metal, just like, why not? Doesn't cost me anything. So I actually got that advice from John Brahaney, who was the co-founder of the LA Songwriter Showcase, one of the most beloved and respected people in the industry. Um, and he was a consultant to me right as I was opening the doors to taxi. And he said, dude, you have to charge a submission fee. They were charging 10 bucks. And I thought that was too high. So I knocked it down to five. And the reason we do it is to keep people from bogging down the system with a bunch of poor submissions. So there you I, go. I'm glad I, I'm glad you explained that. I misunderstood. I thought you said that I said it was a discouragement fee. And, and I, I, no, I, no, I was, we I think was it's... pretty positive about it. The reason I said it was paltry is because I'm used to reviews like you talk about that are 50 or 60 bucks per song, or maybe I think my reviews are somewhere around 30 or 40. I, I've been doing like critiques for artists and songwriters for a long time as part of my business. And so I'll charge, you know, a hundred dollars for three songs. And I go through and do a pretty in-depth of everything, melody, lyrics, uh, everything uh, in kind of, and production and all that kind of stuff. So from my point of view, as a, from a critique, paltry was just a bad choice of words. I probably could have put limited, you know, I could have said a limited uh, feedback and I showed exactly all three panels of the good, but the you, bad and the ugly type of thing. But of you did you show, the the bottom half of the page which honestly is a bunch of checkoff phrases and the reason that we do checkoffs is one thing you will be fired instantly here as a screener if we ever find you to be copying and pasting we actually had one guy that i fired who was like a former vice president of a major label i had to fire him instantly because he was writing the same phrase with pencil and paper back before we did it on computer because uh, he just didn't want to think and come up with any original input but um I think I just wanted to say that it was fairly positive. I said it was pretty positive. And all three, even the part that was you saying that why this isn't right for this listing. And, and um, I, I, it's only $5. I don't think that's expensive. And but, uh, uh, that here, and I showed them the amount of critique they get. Because people will look at those marks, but I think they're going to be pay more attention to why they liked it. And then, of course, a lot of people are going to – I skip over why they didn't like it sometimes because I don't need the negative part. I'll, I'll scan that. But the like it part, I think, is what most people need to hear for their encouragement to move I, on and, and submit more. I would disagree heartily with you and say that you need both. Um, as a matter of fact – hold on if I can find them. Uh, I, I checked off some key phrases. These, again, are all over our website. Uh, this is from a guy named John Mears. Uh, Taxi has allowed me to grow my craft as the feedback you get is invaluable to grow your skills. I had a song that I thought was killer, but the feedback instructed me to make changes. I made the changes within a week. It was picked up by another licensing company, so the guidance does work. Um, and There are a lot of these out there. Uh, I'm just saying that I, I've been working with indie songwriters and artists just about as long as you have, not quite as long. And I just know that any rejection of their music can be a crushing blow to them. And, and, and at least a, or at least a slightly negative part of your day. I started out today with a, a rejection from a stock library. So it was kind of a bummer because I thought that I'm sure it is. Nobody, nobody you know? likes rejection, but the fact of the right. matter is 
what doesn't kill you only makes you tougher. And it is part of the business. And, and the people who succeed learn to compartmentalize the rejection and go, tough nuggies. Okay, so they didn't like it, but we'll I'm going to put this in yeah. a drawer for a couple of days. And when I calm down, I'm going to look at it again because maybe there was some valuable information. Um, yeah, they keep going. And that yeah, is something like that, here, uh, here's a guy named uh, Michael Rasmussen. During the last 18 months, I've made far more deals than I'd hoped for, and I've made great relationships with libraries. I could not have done this without Taxi and the support and professional comments from the screeners. Here's another one from Anthony Ambrosio, a gentleman that's roughly in our age category, a senior that's starting out late in life doing this. He says, I found the feedback by Taxi screeners to be extremely helpful as I continue to refine my work. Here's another one from Elna Myberg, and I love this because she's, again, a woman who, I don't know if she's a senior citizen, but she's not a 23-year-old singer-songwriter. And she talks about, uh, in her whole quote here, about she's got stuff on CBS, CW, MTV, Netflix, Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Univision, Fox, Freeform, Nickelodeon, as well as many European channels, all because of Taxi. Some recent placements were because of music I submitted more than 10 years ago. So it's important to not give up. Um, all the connections I've made with film and TV libraries over the years were because of Taxi. I've learned a lot through the critiques of the screeners, too. So thank you, Taxi. And literally, Senator, I, Senator, I, I've, got, I've got tons of these. Senator, can we move this along, Senator? <laughs> We can. Uh, and by the way, I just want everybody watching. I'm calling filibustering here. I just want everybody to know that all this stuff is on our website and it's there for the world to read. It's always been there, but people don't take the time. They think, oh, taxi charges money. They get my music to people. People love me and I get famous and get a private jet. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. So anyway, um, thank you for letting me clear those things up because the, sure. the critiques... Uh, I think paltry was a really poor choice of words. And, and as usual, with anybody's YouTube channel, this is one person's opinion. This is one person who, you know, at the time was feeling that way. That's the problem with YouTube channels. Now, as you can see, a few months later, when I did a second follow-up, I felt a different way. And guess what? Later this year, or when I introduce, when I put this video up, I may feel a different way. And then later this year, I might feel another way. But That's honestly, just the nature yeah. of my YouTube channel. You can say what you want on your YouTube channel. And I can say, and we both, you shoot everything live. You can't take anything back that you say. Trust so. me. <laughs> and, and I do have a bit of a potty mouth. So it's really hard to like do this as often as I do and not swear. Although I did say the S word, I was doing a new member Zoom and knocked over one of these big boys on, on my computer keyboard, totally drowning the keyboard. I just turned it upside down, let the stuff drip out, wiped it off some Windex, and it's fine. Um, okay, uh, so uh, as you know, because you've read these questions, but I got to ask them anyway, uh, just to make the point yeah. that Taxi is so much more than people think it is, which is just send in your music. They decide if it's good or bad, then they send it to people in the industry, and that's it. Um, so I would contend that 50% of the value is what can be forwarded or not, and that the other 50% is learning the industry, learning the, the, the norms of how the industry operates, learning the vocabulary of how the industry operates, learning how professionals, what they would consider good or bad etiquette in a business relationship, all that stuff. And so the question, mm -hmm. well, I already know the answer to one. You do watch Taxi TV. All um, the time. So that's good because um, people, honestly, I never thought it would turn out to be such a great thing, but people send me emails all the time. I learn more 
I got to read this again. People have heard this before, but it's one of my favorites of, of late. Dear Michael, sincere thanks uh, for your efforts in another successful taxi rally. I've been a member for just over two years, and the knowledge I'm gaining from taxi is really like no other I've received in music. And I'm a Juilliard-trained performer and educator. Thank you again. Hope to see you soon. Jennifer Bowman. Thank you, Jennifer. So she substantiates my feeling that the education is a lot of what we do. Um, are you an active participant in the community on our forum? Uh, no. No, I have, I've looked through it a few times when I've had questions and wanted to, I think back before I knew about forwards, uh, like when I was researching, what should I be doing with this forward? I looked through it a few times and I've looked through it a few times, but I just have, I, I don't have that many questions and I have a, our own discord that keeps me very busy and then YouTube channels to reply to and Facebook and stuff like that. But I do like it and I think it's very vibrant, it looks like. So are you, do you, a year from now, are you going to be telling me you quit making music because you've gotten so into the YouTube and Discord mm -hmm. thing? Because it, it takes a no. lot of effort to do that stuff and do it well. No, and I have to time. limit that. I have to, uh, that one of the things I'm limiting this year is how much I put into stock. And, and one of the reasons is because I've got to spend more time composing. Composing is number one. Number two is uh, is teaching, and I teach through the YouTube channels. So that's that's, and I teach from what I compose, and so it's got to be that order because I didn't get a composition degree, uh, masters, and go through all that business just to, to to, uh, you know, uh, just to make videos. But at the same time, I think it's important that everybody shares their experiences, and we all have completely different experiences with each thing we do, whether it's taxi, or whether it's uh, sync and whether it's stock, whether it's this library, that library, everybody's music is different. They're going to have different experiences. And all I do on my channel is just try to share mine from a perspective uh, that's all mine. So, okay. So I'm going for the point that when you were, were a member, you had a year that didn't work very well for you, but I feel that you weren't taking advantage of the stuff. Let's take Greg Carrozza, who you obviously um, respect. And Carrozza did all that stuff. He went to the road rally. He watches Taxi TV. He goes on the forum, um, checks the forwards blog, which is the next thing. If you want to hear music that's getting forwarded by Taxi to the very same listings by the very same screeners that listen to your material, then you can. We met, you know, like I said, we're super transparent. Um, do you ever collaborate with other members? I have too many people to collaborate with already. Well, the reason, I, the reason I say collaborate with members is a lot of our members have found a second pathway into getting deals with these companies is so I've already got a relationship with this big music library over here. You have a relationship with another music library over there. I need a guitar player on my thing because I'm just a bar chord kind of guy. And I call you up and say, I need some really funky chicken picking. Can you throw that on there? And we end up collaborating, do a 50-50 split because you contributed more in the end than just the guitar part. You had some really good ideas. We partnered up, no big deal. And I send it to my library guy and he goes, wow, who's playing that guitar part? Oh, oh that's your co-writer. That's Eric Copeland. Yes, it is. So. I never imagined this when I started the company, but a huge amount of the deals that happen for taxi members are a result of collaborating, not to mention two heads are better than one. So I recommend that in your following year, you should definitely collaborate. So also, oh, where is it? I need a prop, I'll be back in two seconds. 
So uh, go to makemusic.com. Makemusicincome.com. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, He's back. Part of what you were saying in your video was, you know, why would you need taxi? I mean, you can just reach out and do this stuff on your own. So I just want you to know that from all the way back in the 90s, <laughs> we actually acknowledge that the taxi is, in fact, the second best way to get a record deal, publishing deal, or film and TV deal. This thing literally dates back to, like, I don't know, 1998 or something like that. Hundreds of thousands of those have gone out in the mail over the years. So, is that like, I, is that like the second oldest profession? Type yeah. Of deal? Never mind. So, <laughs> I completely agree with you that doing your own research to find out what the right, high quality, reputable companies are and who the right people are in those companies, what they're currently looking for, when they need it by, exactly what they mean when they ask for an indie folk pop song or a stomp clap rock song. Get the references of that type of music from them, which is next to impossible, by the way. Craft a really good professional email with a great subject line to get their attention. And then keep a database of who you've reached out to about what and when you reached out. And if they didn't get back to you, to keep emailing them with another tickler um, every two weeks until they do. And for the 10% of them that might actually get back to you, what will your elevator speech be? Because we all know creative people hate to sell. It's a, they'd rather get a stake in the heart like Dracula than have to sell sure. anything, including him or herself. So yeah, if you have the I... time, if you have the time, the business chops and the courage, because it does take courage, it could work out better than taxi, taxi actually does. So remember, taxi is the second best way. But I keep pretty tight. Oh, I, I thought your question. No, I'm was, not done, man. I'm, I'm, I'm filibustering here. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just because it, it's a really important point that I want to make. Um, and that is that. So if you have the time, the business chops, the courage to do it, it could work out better than taxi. But the question we'd like musicians to ask themselves is, do you have a day job and a family? Homework to do with the kids, laundry pets to take to the vet and little league games to go to would you rather spend the little spare time that you have for music emailing 100 people a week to see if they'd like to hear yours so if the answer is no the taxi might actually be a good fit for you because it works out to a little bit under a dollar a day and with all the resources that we've got we have found that virtually every single one of our successful members and i would call a successful member anybody that's made even a little bit of money, like five hundred or a thousand dollars last year on, on get, getting their music out there. Up to we've got the the biggest number I ever heard was two hundred and eighty grand uh, that a member was making back in twenty sixteen, I think, and it's probably well over three hundred, if not more now. So all those people have one thing in common, which is they go to the road rally. They they have networked on the forum. They collaborate with other members. They watch Taxi TV. All that stuff. So um, you get the benefit when you get forwarded to a library. It's not about one submission, one thing that got signed. You get a relationship where they start sending you briefs all the time. You get a relationship that they may call you up and say, you know, I need an entire album of Chicken Pick and Funk. Can you do that for me? And I'll pay you $500 a song for that album. And you still get the writer's share of the publishing on it. So this kind of stuff happens very regularly regularly to our members and um thank you senator for ceding that time for me but i do want to say thank you for being a mensch because 
you know, I, I could have made this different than it was today. And, and it took courage and on your versa. part. Yeah, it, it took courage on your part to come on here. And I really Listen, do genuinely have, appreciate that. Half the people that I talk to really uh, disparage taxi and, and tell me uh, what a you know scam it is. I, I just I think that these are people who uh, just don't want to spend money. I've heard the similar talk about other things that I think are very valuable. Um, yeah, uh, and you were talking about um, how, how elevator pitches and all that kind of stuff. I keep super tight records on an Excel sheet and I do all that stuff, but not everybody is like me. And a lot of people don't have time to do that. As a matter of fact, one of my colleagues just joined Taxi because he doesn't have the time to yeah. pitch. And that's who we've created the company for. He's already had a, he's two of five and forwards already. And he just joined uh, for that very reason. So he just doesn't have time to pitch. And he does not want to spend all the time doing pitching and likes the fact that hopefully that Taxi will do that for him. And Greg Carosa felt the same way. So that's what I've learned from from talking to them and and from my experience. And I'll continue to learn from my experience and I'll continue to share my experience uh, both in my podcast and also in my uh, on my channel and things like that. And I'll be uh, as honest and, and careful as I can, um, as you are when you talk with people as well. So I just want to say, though, that I, I the one thing I did mention in my video, I'm not sure if you saw this because it was kind of at the end of the first video was what I said about you, which is, you know, I you can think that it's the company is a is a scam or something, but you don't have to come on YouTube every how many times a week are you on YouTube? Well, you now, now I'm doing it about two. I do regular taxi TV on Monday and either Tuesdays or Thursdays. I still do quarantinis just because I love the group of people that show up for it all the time. Listen, I, I talked to a library this morning and was in a Zoom where they they barely stayed on for 40 minutes and they didn't ask, answer any questions or ask one answer a question that was presented to them in a in a thing and, and you know how you do the live chat and all that kind of stuff and you answer questions. Somebody who's running a scam would not take that much time to, to have that kind of heart for people and answer anybody's questions and thoughts. You announce everybody who's in the room. You can tell that you have uh, you deal with goofballs like me who do websites and do different things like that. And, I wouldn't and so, call you a goofball, at least not to your face. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't call you a goofball. I, I just think you do it with a cheerful heart and you do it tirelessly. And I applaud thank you for you. that. And thank you. Thank um, you. I enjoy using the service and I don't think it's too expensive. Um, and I've made that point in my videos. You could spend $200 going to South by Southwest just oh, for one he's weekend. Easily. You know, I mean, and that's if you that. that's if you live in Austin. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Greg, yeah, Greg Carose is in the chat saying, I can't believe how many times my name is, has been said in this episode. But well, all, that's because we've been good. Yeah. And we can't say Voldemort because he's the, the name of who you cannot speak. <laughs> but you made the Thank point you, about Greg. some. It's all been good. Um, yeah. I, I love Carosa. He's uh, <laughs> a really well reasoned, good hearted guy. I really like him a lot. So um, anyway, but I also love a lot of our members a lot, especially the ones I've gotten to know during the, the lockdown. You know, we really became tight. Um, it was kind of cool. I don't think a lot of company owners ever get a chance to become that connected to their actual customers. So I, I want to point out one last time, though, Keith LeBrant, 
Um, which, by the way, you should know, you should interview him about Composer Catalog. He built software. Oh, I for love keep, that. Yeah, keeping track of all that stuff. Keith is such a good, regular guy. He's a family guy. And he has a full-time job programming, uh, doing computer programming, uh, uh, doing a website for a major online eyewear company, I believe. Um He's just—he's got a busy, busy life, like all of us, you know. So he's got a mortgage, he's got a house, he's got a family, he's got a full-time job. Yet this guy, five hundred and sixty-eight million needle drops. A needle drop means it could be the same cue three times in a show. So each one of those would be a needle drop. So his music is on eleven. 111 shows and that was as of last like september he sent me this or actually this is last should be able to quit that job by now well he some <laughs> someday he will um i actually know how much money he makes a great he program though he, he asked me not to disclose that um how much money he makes but he uh you know during COVID, uh they shut down for a while he didn't have a job and he actually says in this email to me thank god for the royalties i was able to yep. lean into those so i'm only harping on this to make the point that if he can do it anybody can he was busy building software composer catalog composercatalog.com a little plug for him raising a family doing a full-time job yet over this 10-year period found enough time to make enough music that his music is on 201 television networks so anybody that's going to throw that excuse at either of us and say yeah. i don't have the time i always like to say to people i'm busy too yeah. and uh i'm i'm successful because i am busy and uh the more you know, you have to really bust it. It's not like you sit around doing nothing all day long. You, I talked to you the other day on the phone and you said, I'll be on the phone from now until midnight tonight and I'll get up in the morning and start it all again. And so those of us who, who run things like this or run businesses of our own, we got to bust it. And as a songwriter and a person wanting to live off of it, if you're not willing to work that hard, you probably won't have you just don't want it the right. same success you don't want it badly enough if you're not willing to work that hard because when you are motivated by wanting something so badly of course my dad at 65 years old went broke after being comfortable never wealthy but comfortable his whole life had a nice family business that just got wiped out um and he started over selling sandwiches and wraps and salads in office buildings in chicago at 65 years old and i said dad how did you have the energy to do that? And he said, when you have to literally do it to eat and survive, you find the energy. And he sold the company 15 years later at 80 years old for enough money that I don't want to disclose the amount, but a lot of money. So well, Bach, I think I love the Bach quote that says, I was, I was obliged to be industrious, which means I had to bust it to make the money that I made. And because, and anyone who's as industrious as me will have as the same success that I had. Yeah. And, you know, so I thought that was, that's paraphrasing Bach, so sorry. Sorry, Bach. <laughs> well, at least he didn't call his music paltry. <laughs> anyway, thank you again for being you a mention, being on the show with me. Um, <laughs> and I laughed last night. I think I sent you the email somewhere around midnight last night. So that's when I finished my work day um, <laughs> on a Sunday on a Sunday and I started working yesterday at 10 o'clock in the morning. So there you go, folks. If you'll work, too. 
Yeah, if you work that many hours on a Sunday, then um, <laughs> you shouldn't can, have to. But now it's sad. It, it's I. That's my biggest regret in life is I probably should have spent more time with my family, and I'm trying to work on that now um, to make up for lost time. And grandkids. Oh, that was are my last question for you. How yeah. long does taxi go? What do you mean? Oh, how long does it go? Go? Can, yeah. How do you do? How long do you go and with taxi? It's, here at the end where no one's it's, listening no it, one's listening now it's an unanswerable question i don't want to die in the saddle at 80 years old that much i will be <laughs> honest about um but i wouldn't sell the company i wouldn't just close it and i wouldn't sell it unless it was somebody that would give it the same love and energy that i have frankly I because i i don't want the members to get screwed because i just went for a quick buck yep. so i mean Honestly, right now I'm I'm literally taking some extended trips. Um, I've been going. We've got three clients over in Israel, and I've got family over there. Two of my daughters live there, so I've been going over there for like a month at a time to spend more time with them, and I can meet with these companies. Working on a really big deal with one of them, something that we all feel could be like literally industry changing. Um, so we'll see. But like I said, I don't want to die in the saddle at eighty. So, well, thank you so much for letting me on here tonight and being part of, we're both part of our channels now. And yep. uh, it's, it's. Thank uh, you. So, oh yeah. And I, I should, hope. I want to remind people that this video will be posted here on the Taxi TV channel, as well as Eric's channel, Make Music Income on uh, YouTube, on the YouTube. So. On the YouTube. <laughs> you can find and I've been loosely watching one of our uh, regulars who I actually like quite a bit, um, I don't see his name in there now, uh, asking all these questions. Why didn't he ask this? Why didn't he ask that? Oh, no, maybe took his bat and ball and went home. Uh, anyway, Super Blonde. So Super Blonde, uh, I want to, I, I will be happy to answer all the questions you were asking in the chat uh, and have you on as my guest like I did with Eric, uh, maybe for a quarantine this week. I got a hell of a schedule this week, but we'll give it a shot. So send an email to Liz at taxi.com. Let her know your phone number and email address, and I'll reach out to you. We'll set a time. Eric, thank you very much. Eric Copeland, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you later this week, either Tuesday or Thursday, for a uh, quarantine happy hour. With that, I bid you all a fond farewell. Bye. That's Keith LeBrant right there. <laughs>